Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, it's the season opener for the Cougs and the beginning of the Big 12 era as BYU kicks things off in its new conference with Sam Houston in town. And we've got Kalani in Studio C with special guest Keaton Slovis next on BYU TV and ESPN+. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right. Well, thank you very, very, very much. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside the beautiful BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our 2023 season premiere of BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. We are live and on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps and this year on ESPN+. And our social media hashtag is, as always, hashtag Sitake Show. All right, coming up on tonight's broadcast, we will preview this new era of Cougar football with Coach Sitake and look ahead to the season opener with a closer look at Sam Houston. We will have uh, new starting quarterback Keaton Slovis joining us in studio tonight as well. He'll take part in a, a ranking game we hope you will all enjoy. We'll have some social media Q&A for the coach and Keaton, and we'll give you this week's first-of-its-kind uniform preview for opening night on Saturday. Well, this season marks the eighth season as head coach of the BYU Cougars and the first season as the head coach of a Big 12 team. Let's give him a big studio seat. Welcome. He is the head coach of your BYU Cougars, Kalani Sitake. Thank you. And Hazel right. Hemuli, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, I got some snacks just in case. Yeah, right. Uh, what do you think of the new digs? Maybe not everyone can tell, but we have, we have new chairs. We have new screens. We have a new floor. We have lights on the walls, and it's a whole new vibe. I love it. I like it. I like it. But the, the most important part, we have the fans here. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, second, obviously, Greg Rubel. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> old reliable. Uh, well, this night and this season have been a, felt like a long time coming. This is great to get this new era kicked off. Yeah, I mean, the, the excitement, the energy, even feeling it um, ever since, uh, you know, basically this summer when we officially got into the conference. But uh, for the boys, uh, we've been, it's been a long camp, and uh, we had uh, enough of each other, basically, as, <laughs> as competing against each other. And, it's been nice to be able to, uh, you know, work against uh, uh, a common uh, opponent now and scout them. So that's that's where we're at now, and uh, we've had some really really good highlights in camp, and and um, you know we're just looking to keep building. So we, we want to make sure we're at our best coming out this, uh, you know, this this Saturday night. It's going to be a lot of fun in Lavalder Stadium. We're taking a look at some of the, this year's camp highlights. They're brought to you by Maersk. Uh, backtracking for a little bit about uh, maybe the, the, the preamble to this season, uh, besides the new league you're going into, uh, a lot of new coaches and a lot of new players. The transfer portal brought some really good talent in, into BYU. Maybe first up, uh, the fact that you have some new guys you're working with uh, on the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really, really happy to, to bring in the no, new coaches and obviously really thankful for the coaches that, that, that were here and, and put a lot of working to our players and our program. And so I uh, still want them to know how much we love and appreciate them. But at the same time, you know, uh, we just felt like it was a, neat, a necessity for our team. 
uh, my obligations to the players first and to our fans. And so we want to make sure that we accomplish a lot of things. And, and uh, one of them is making sure that we're, we're clicking and utilizing all the talent that we have on our team. And with the talent, we, we added more depth and, and uh, more competition. So it should do well for our program. I, I thought the, uh, the, the difficulty would be them gelling together. And that, that would, that's, uh, it seems like when you're bringing in that many new players, uh, that would be the issue. And, and it hasn't even been a problem for us. And I, I give a lot, of, a lot of praise to the players that were currently on the roster. Uh, to be so humble to invite um, people that are competing against them for, for a spot on, on, and playing time. And that, that usually uh, doesn't happen very often, but it, it can here uh, with the, the culture being the gospel and with everybody uh, thinking about each other first and thinking about the team first. It's been a pleasure for you as a head coach to coach these young men and coach this team. From when the transfer portal first became a thing till now, did you end up bringing in more players than you even thought you might uh, uh, this year? Yeah, I, I think the, uh, we knew that there would be an opportunity to bring a lot of players in. And uh, when you're working with the missionary program and having so many guys that have left early in, um, you know, guys that left eligibility to go to the NFL, um, we knew that we would have a little bit of, of wiggle room. And um, so we, we knew that we wanted the guys that, that returned from the missions, but to anticipate them to be ready, it's, it's almost inappropriate for us to think that a guy's going to get home and, and with two weeks' time be ready to, to go. And, uh, and, you know, the fortunate part is there are some that can do that and have a role, but the majority of them we had to just see who, who we could bring in. And, and there's a lot of, um, you know, guys in the portal that fit exactly what we're looking for. And that, that was the key is to find the fit. Uh, that, that would would relish in this environment, the BYU, and we're looking for this environment. And, and we assume that that happens with members of the church, but uh, there's definitely a lot of non-members that uh, really look to this place as, as a place that they can really, I mean, we have a, a guest tonight that's one of them. Yeah. And so to, to see that there's so many, uh, so, so much interest outside of the church, and they wanted, they see this as a place that they can really thrive in, in this environment, they appreciate it. Uh, th that was a, that was not a surprise, but the fact that we had so much talent, so many talented guys come along and want to be here, that that was a, a huge benefit, and, and and I, I'm just thankful that we were able to get them on the team and get them here. And you've alluded to Keaton Slovis' story. We'll hear more about Keaton uh, from well, we'll hear it from himself when he That's comes right. out here later on tonight. Uh, big picture stuff now. Uh, the Big 12 brought in four teams back in 2021 or announced them back in 2021, BYU, UCF, uh, Cincy, and Houston. And since then, a lot more has happened in the college football world. And, and one really, uh, you know, kind of a, a venerable old conference has kind of faded away as teams have scattered again. And the Big 12 will expand again next year and become a 16-team conference and bring in old rivalries and things like that. How do you view maybe the shape of the game we're in right now with so much shifting going on? Well, I mean, college football is, is uh, there, there's a lot of energy and excitement around it, um, not just BYU, but it, overall. And so there's going to be uh, changes inevitable. It happens, you know. So uh, we went from church being three hours to two hours, and that was a. <laughs> I'm just going to give giving examples, but that was that was that was a. a and there was applause for that. That uh, was a. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a welcome change, but it was it was also. Um, same thing in college football that, that you, you adapt and and uh, maybe maybe tradition and, and old opponents change or maybe they come back and uh, I'm just glad that we were partnered up with the Big 12 and there's great leadership there and, and, and I've, I've been able to connect with all the coaches and, and many of the players and so it's a conference that fits us perfectly and, and I know our fans will have a lot of a lot of fun 
seeing these games and the competitions and all the sports, not just football. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the Big 12 has a really solid uh, base of stability right now. Um, so church got shorter. Uh, college games are getting shorter. <laughs> college games are getting That's shorter. Right, yeah. They changed the clock rules. So, the church uh, sets the trend. So here we go. You know? <laughs> yeah, so the, the clock, I mean, uh, I don't know how many plays it'll, I mean, it'll, it'll limit the game a little bit, but I don't know if it's going to make that big of a difference. Uh, I think, um, you know, it, We'll just uh, go with it. We've been practicing with it. We we'll use our refs uh, to to help us with the clock, and it's more just getting the play um, selected for a rod when we get, when we get a first down because the play clock will will start a lot quicker than it usually does, mm -hmm. and then uh, just getting used to it, uh, taking advantage of all the plays that you get. Um, if there's going to be less plays, then let's make all the ones that we have count. When it comes to practice, uh, you've had a month of it now to get ready for this season. How did you approach training camp 2023 any differently if it was different from maybe previous versions? And how do you think it played out in terms of how your guys got to game one? Well, we knew going into it that we were going to use a, the research and data that's provided for us from our sports scientists. And um, we, we knew that we wanted to push our guys a little bit more in the offseason. So going to fall camp, we, we um, and you know, Jay and, and A-Rod, they just want to be physical as much as possible. So we had a really physical camp. And, um, and we guys were banged up a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I felt like did you mix in? A, did you mix in lighter days with heavier days? And, yeah, and, we, we did all that. And, 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 and then also guys that didn't participate as much, we, we, we gave them intensity in different ways. And maybe the next day they did more. Um, but we were able to see different, different ways of go live rather than just have a, a designated scrimmage day. We were able to get some live work and situation football, and and um, I thought that really worked well for us. And then that's, I mean, it's not it's not rocket science, but it is to me. So we have people that are smart and they can they can know how, how far to push our guys. And then football is a dangerous game. It's it's physical and violent, so injuries could happen. But I think we really limited uh, the injuries as much as we could, even with all the physical play that we had. Of the guys you were really counting on, is it true that only maybe one season-ending injury that you got through? through? Yeah, camp? yeah, and that was unfortunate, but it wasn't really, I mean, uh, I don't know if the situation was the, was the reason why it happened. Uh, sometimes freak accidents happen, and, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to get Michael Harper back as soon as possible, and he's in good spirits, and, and um, but he's going he's gonna to participate and help the team out in other ways, and uh, sometimes a year away would be beneficial for him. We need his leadership still. And we need his belief in our players and, and the young guys need him. Something I think about when I think about the season to come is how pretty much in every position group you brought in impact players. Uh, and, and I think really your team did get a lot better in the offseason. Fair to say? Yeah, and then that was to create also competitive uh, competition and have this the competitive nature of everyone just take take form. I think when you have guys battling for playing time, there's just there's just a certain camaraderie that they share. Because uh, they're the only ones going through that, that battle and they're the ones fighting each other for it, but at the same time working well together. And uh, I, I think it's been, it's been a really good compliment for me to our coaches and the way they're handling it and then also to our players. And, and that they're, they're the reason why the culture works is that they're, they're the ones that are the driving force behind it all. And uh, they've been you know, really humble and working with each other, but at the same time being physical and aggressive and trying to find ways to create a competitive edge for themselves.
Well, the 2023 season kicks off this Saturday with BYU playing for a fourth consecutive season opening win. It's game one of a 12 game regular season slate. Let's take a look at the schedule ahead and the Big 12 road to come for the Cougars. It's presented by Smarty. And there you see a Sam Houston Southern Utah back to back start. And Kalani, very different from openings for BYU in recent years as an independent when there was so much front loading of the schedule. This is a little more typical for power conference teams in terms of how you start the year. Yeah, and, and for us, you're right. We've always been where the, the, the schedule's been front-loaded and, and um, finding difficult, having a difficult time for Tom, finding uh, opponents in the end of the year. But now, being part of the conference is going to naturally work this way. But uh, I, I think uh, for us, it's been nice having those front-loaded schedules because the, the goal is to play 12 times at our best. And, and there's not this, hey, let's see how it works out in week one and week two. We, we need to make sure that we're ready to go, uh, you know, September 2nd. And then that we, uh, if we do this 12 times, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Uh, a lot of respect to Sam Houston, but uh, we need to make sure that we, we get our, our, our part done. And if we do that, then I like, I like our chances at the end of the year. And following that two-game opening at home, it's a 10 consecutive power conference teams for BYU. That is, of course, a program high. Well, back for another season on the Sutake Show, we go inside the film room, breaking down the things we see on the field with the guys making the plays. And tonight, we focus in on the BYU linebacking core with the top two returning backers from last season, Max Tooley and Ben Bywater, as they sit down with our Jerem Jordan inside the film room. Max, Ben, uh, how was the summer, man? That's how you got married, Max. Yeah, the summer was great. You know, I had to do it. I had to get married. Um, about time. So, <laughs> had to yeah. get married. Ben, you didn't get married. Didn't get married this summer. Hopefully next. Maybe you know, next summer. Or, or the one after that. We're we'll figured out. Oh, um, good. But yeah, summer was good. That's awesome. Okay, here we are, and uh, it's time for football. Uh, Jay Hill said he wants playmakers on defense. You guys certainly did that last year. So let's take a look at some of these plays from last year, where you guys made plays. USF game. Uh, it's already 14-0, you guys are feeling good, and then Max, hey, pick six, baby. So in this defense, us three backers are playing whatever back, wherever the back comes out, we got him manned up. So as soon as I saw the trips to the trips to the field right there and the back coming out, you know, that's an automatic signal in my head that, you know, something's screeny or something's going on out there. So yeah, I ultimately read it avoided the blocks and you know, was able to make a play on the ball. At that point, you know, I thought I was getting caught, um, if I'm going to be honest. Like, little stumble. Yeah, a little stumble. <laughs> I was like, nah, yeah, I got to look up at the screen, see, you know, no one was catching me, no one was going to hock me down. So that's a real real thing. You're looking oh, yeah. up at the, the screen. Oh, and yeah. it's an NFL stadium, oh, yeah. so it's a bigger screen. It's a bigger screen. Yeah, you can yeah. see what's going on. And then we come to the SMU game. And it, where offense is at a premium in this game, there's a lot of injuries at the end of the season. You're playing a really good offense in SMU. And Ben, how did you read this so well? You know, you can kind of see uh, the quarterback. He's like looking out here. and he, They're basically just playing numbers, right? So if he thinks he has numbers out here, he'll throw the screen. So you, obviously we got three guys, or we have two defenders, three guys on offense. So I kind of knew like from the jump, I was like, okay, like, I'm outnumbered, I'm out here all alone, like he's definitely gonna throw this. And then I felt the tight end, he was like breathing heavy, I could feel like he was gearing up to come block me. So I was like, you know what, it's bowl game, might as well just take a chance and it paid off. You could hear his breath and that was the tell. Well yeah, I was like, I mean I could I could feel him like gearing up, like ready to go. Like, yeah. you know, like you can tell when guys are kind of loafing and when guys are going hard, right? So I was like, okay, like, he's this is an important play for him. So I was mm -hmm. like, oh, he's for sure coming to block me, so. 
and then you, you get the ball, but this is where it begins. Almost dropped it right here. Yep. But you, uh, you do a Max Cooley stumble, <laughs> and then it. you get past Tanner Mordecai here, which was the play. Hey, and you know, thank you, Tanner Mordecai, for blocking for me on this play because <laughs> five, five for sure would have caught me. So hey, you know what? You, you you just get lucky sometimes. You know, the football gods throw you a bone. Like Max said, you just got to be in the right place, right time. And I felt cool. I felt really cool right here doing this. So, <laughs> there weren't many fans in that. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Well, there weren't many fans, but you to know what? To the 170 what? on that end. <laughs> to me, I they was loved like, it. this looks cool. Hey, that was, so, uh, that was what's time. that feeling like once you get in the clear and you're like, oh my gosh, I just. I was like, cool. no freaking way. Like, no way I, freaking, <laughs> I beat this quarterback. That so. was a legend. Was it was awesome. fun, man. I, I, just I get chills watching this I play right now. I had to do my best Max Tooley impression, so. Uh, if, uh, I would have got gas. I don't know if I would have made it to the end zone. <laughs> 76 yards that's, a long way, man. That's a long run. I, was, I don't even know how. I, I definitely, but you got mouthpiece in the whole time. I sat out the next two series for sure because I was so tired. <laughs> it, it is nose breathing only for you this whole <laughs> oh, time. Oh, yeah, I'm not you. I'm not wearing the binky this year, but for swag, you have to. That's a good celebration, to. by the way. You know, in my head, like when I'm going, to, you know, when I'm going to bed at night, I had a million different celebrations planned out and didn't do a single one of them. Just pointed to the crowd, a little skip, a little skip. So, nah, so that's, that's awesome. it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay, this defense has been discussed a lot. People are excited about the new look defense. Uh, how do your roles change, if at all, and what are you most excited about? Mate? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jay Hill is running a lot, a lot different, um, you know, scheme, you know, schematically, and just. Aggression, you know, that's that's been the number one thing I feel like everyone has kind of mentioned is just his his commitment to being aggressive and you know keeping things you know, unpredictable for offenses. Quarterbacks aren't going to know where blitzes are coming, and I think yeah, me and Ben both play you know an intricate role into that transition. And linebackers are those guys that you want to bring pressure. They should be the the best uh, you know blitzers, edge rushers. Um, so I think yeah, it's going to be. I'm excited to see you know, a different skill set put in a different, you know, a different um, scheme and see what we can do with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, apart from, you know, what Max said, I just think the intensity that all the coaches are bringing on the defensive side, it's, it's just fun to see. Like, they're just taking so much pride in it. Everybody's locked in. You can just feel, like, you know, that, that energy. You can feel, like, oh, it's starting to roll, right? And so it's fun to be a part of it, and I'm super excited to, you know, let loose this year. But... Yeah, Max hit it right on the head. Just couldn't be more excited to play in this defense with all the boys. Okay, thanks for the time and good luck against Sam Houston. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks for the time. All right, uh, as a defender especially, uh, making plays is a lot of fun, and these two guys have fun. Yeah, I'm just I'm proud of those guys. I mean, they, they've, they've grown uh, quite a bit, and, and uh, I think maybe in their interviews a little bit too honest about their celebrations and what they were thinking. <laughs> but... Um, but I, 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 I like the way they play the game, and I love that uh, they can rely on their instincts because uh, those guys prepare so much for games, and they watch tons of film. And I, I think they're being really humble when they're, when they're saying they just kind of lucked into it. They, they, they create their own luck, and, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, that they feel comfortable just, just taking the chance, as they say, and, uh, and trying to just let the instincts happen. I think sometimes we can over, can over and out coach ourselves and just just want the guys to feel fun, to feel uh, comfortable doing their own thing. I really enjoyed hearing them talk about uh, their touchdown scoring plays. I love calling those plays when I can tell they're going to get to the end zone. My biggest thing at that point is make sure I get the math right. Make sure I go 50, 40, 30, and I'm not throwing the 30 in front of the 40 because it yeah. happens. See, it happens. So I'm just thinking I've got to get the numbers right on this one. Yeah, you could just if you, if you need to, just say that he's going to score, and that's easy. Okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs>
if you hear that call this year, you'll know yeah. this was the inspiration. He's going to score. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, I'm, listen, your, your job's harder than mine. So I, no, uh, you, you, do, you do a great job at it. Well, so I, yeah. You shouldn't be taking advice from me. No, I, I do need the, that kind of advice. So leave the math at home is what you're saying next time. Good stuff. Uh, all right, as we break, this is your reminder that for your day-to-day -day Cougar sports play-by-play, Tune in to BYU Sports Nation. Join Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, we welcome into Studio C for the first time quarterback Keaton Slovis. When BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues. Back out here. BYU football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Health, official medical provider for BYU athletics. Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner, and Smarty, location data experts. All right, so welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. On week one of the college football season, BYU and Sam Houston kicking things off on Saturday night, 8.15 Mountain Time on FS1 and BYU Radio. Let's talk a bit about Sam Houston, the Bearcats. It's their first season as an FBS program. Yeah, and then great coach, uh, Casey Keeler. Um, he, he, he actually, he, he's, they won a national championship in the FCS level in 2021. In that spring and, season. Yeah, yep. he, and, and, and uh, so there's guys on this team that have, that have won a national championship at that level. And so they're, I know they're excited about going to the FBS level, the Division One level. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think they redshirted quite a few players last year. Uh, so you have them ready for this, uh, this inaugural season for them. And so I, I mean, their, their coach won a, a national championship at, at his first, the school before that at, yep. Del, at Delaware, and so um, they know how to get get their guys uh, ready to play. Uh, we, we definitely aren't taking them lightly, and we'll, we'll be excited for the matchup. But a lot of great athleticism, and they're coached really well. It's something that I love watching on film is uh, that, that how the, I mean, they're, they're, the fundamentals and technique coach really well, and that's. That's a huge compliment to their head coach. Yeah, ninth season with Sam Houston, Casey Keeler. You mentioned Delaware before that. So he's won national titles at two schools. And if you go back to before that, he was a Division Three coach. If you take his Division Three and his FCS years, he's appeared in nine national championship games. Mm -hmm. and, he, and, I mean, he's considered one of the best coaches in college football of all time. So uh, I'm excited to meet him and excited to, to match up against his team. And so uh, we had tons of respect for him and, and – uh, we definitely see how dangerous they could be, and uh, it, it's going to be a, a tough task for us, but we're, we're ready for it. They played a nine-game season last year, went five and four. By the way, that's 14 consecutive winning seasons for the Sam Houston program as well. So, again, they're used to winning games. They go five and four, and as uh, an interesting feature of their, of their season, they said ahead of time they would play some guys, some important guys, no more than four games so they could have another season, their first season in the FBS. They were planning for this year, last year, and kept some pretty good players uh, to limited play. Yeah, and, and like you said, still had a winning record, uh, playing a uh, majority of their, their playmakers in only four games to uh, keep their, their eligibility going. And so uh, those guys that are on that, uh, that, are, that are excited for this opportunity. And last year they couldn't go to the, to the playoffs because they were going into the FBS. And so a lot, there's a lot for, uh, for this team to play for. And uh, they'll be excited to be, to be in our stadium. And 
uh, we'll, we'll be even we'll be more excited. So we'll mm -hmm. see what happens. What jumped out there to me was the fact that they were a very good defensive team. They had a number of really good defensive ranks, and 18 points a game, no matter the level, is a good defensive performance. And the fact they had 21 takeaways in only nine games, that's more than two turnovers forced per game by that team. Yeah, and, and really aggressive, and, and uh, uh, they have a, a lot of movement up front with their D-line. And so they, they run a, a scheme that's very similar to what TCU did back in the day, if fans can remember that. And so it, it's a challenge for our offense, but I, I know that A-Rod's ready for it, and, and so, so is Keaton and the rest of the group. And so that's why we practice. You know, we, we want to go against a, a quality foe and, and an opponent and that we respect. And so it's, it, they're well coached, so they're, they're not going to make a lot of mistakes. And we need to make sure that, that we uh, do, do everything right as well and that we get ourselves in the best position to have success there. Last couple notes about Sam Houston. Uh, they've not named officially a starting quarterback yet, but Keegan Shoemaker, the returning starter, was named a captain. Uh, Grant Gunnell, who was at Arizona and then was at Memphis, then was at North Texas, and now is that Sam Houston was competing with Shoemaker for the starting quarterback role. Whoever it is, they do want to get that quarterback out and run him a little bit, right? They do, and, that, and that's a big part of their offense. And I'm, I'm sure uh, controlling the clock and, and being on the field and, and, and converting first down, to, you know, that's, that's what they're going to try to do. And, we need to find a way to disrupt that. And, uh, and they have two quarterbacks to use that, that, that can run. And so um, I don't think there's any secrets there on what they're going to try to get done. And, uh, you know, I think Jay and the defense will be ready for that too. Ready for a former P5 offensive coordinator from Virginia Tech in his days there, Brad Cornelson as well. All right. right. Four years ago, BYU was off to a one and one start to its season with USC rolling into town. And the Cougars tripped up the Trojans in OT that day. But it would not be the last trip to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for USC's quarterback that day, Keaton Slovis. After three seasons in SoCal and a pit stop back east, Keaton Slovis has returned to Provo. And tonight, he makes his Sitake Show debut here in Studio C. Please welcome in the Cougars' new starting quarterback, Keaton Slovis. Welcome in. Thank you. It's a little different with a live audience like this. It's not like a football field up here. It's different. This is what you can expect on Tuesday nights here. Well, thanks for coming in. It's awesome to kick off the season with you. We're only going to get one season with you, so let's, uh, let's start <laughs> it off. Might as well make the most of it. Yeah, yeah no, thanks yeah. for having me. This is awesome to be here. I mentioned the fact that it was four years ago uh, that you played here at Lavella. How, how crazy is it to think, wow, that four years have gone by and you're back in the place where you were, you were a freshman that year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels like uh, it's been a long time. Um, it's been weird, too. Like, having the match scrimmages out here in spring game, it kind of, like, people bring it up. It's like, man, it feels like 10 years ago at this point. But uh, just super grateful to be here and uh, happy to wear blue this time in the stadium. It'll yeah. be fun. Take us back to that sunny Saturday afternoon and your recollections from 2019. Uh, not my fondest memory, to be honest. I threw a game-losing interception, but it was a good game. Went to overtime. Um, it was a crazy atmosphere, super loud. I remember, like, we had a clap cadence. I couldn't even hear my own clap sometimes, and mm. um, that kind of, you know, awoke me to the, the BYU crowd and the atmosphere that, um, you know, I think it's pretty notorious for now that I'm familiar with. And it was it was a great, it was a really good football game. Bottom line was it was it went to overtime, and uh, at the end, uh, BYU will remember it as the day they got to storm the field and celebrate. And, and you you had a different experience on the other side of it. But having said that, you got a taste of what it's like here in Provo. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting. Like Jay Hills asked me, like, oh, you you know, you excited? You know, kind of preparing me, like, hey, it's going to be like this. I was like, Jay, I know. Like, I've been on the other side of it. It's tough. 
Um, and yeah, I'm excited to not be on that side of it this time. But yeah, yeah, we're really excited for Saturday. As a play-by-play -play guy, I have what are called spotting boards for every game, and I keep all my spotting boards. And I went back to my spotting boards from that day, and I, of course, saw you on the spotting board, your name and number, and then the, the, the NFL talent you had around you, a wide receiver that day, was crazy. The guys' names I was lining up, who were some of the guys that I was listing that day? Yeah, Michael Pittman, and it was yesterday, Darius Laster, one of our receivers, was, uh, he was like, uh, one of the guys was like, Keen, you play with Michael Pittman? I was like, yeah, like I played with all of them. And Darius was like, dude, look at the dudes he had. So it was Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake London, <laughs> yes. and then Tyler Vaughns even was a guy who was all Pac-12, really good player, played for the Steelers a little bit, practice squad guy, but like he was a stud too. So yeah. we had a really good group, and uh, you know, it's cool to see those guys playing at the next level. And we saw you throwing touchdowns to Pittman in the highlights there. Um, so how do you describe – uh, the career that's been over the last four years for you? Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. You know, not, I think, how I wanted to plan it out coming from high school. You know, you don't want to go to three different schools. And um, But I'm just kind of glad it was interesting kind of trying to explain to people, like, I'm just so happy it worked out this way because I got to end it here and have the experiences and the relationships I have now. Um, they'll, they'll last a lifetime. Be able to play for Coach Kalani and um, Coach Roderick and, Again, to have like a guy like Isaac Rex I've met, you know, only six months ago. It's a friend I'll have for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, there's a lot of guys like that and just super fortunate. Um, again, it's kind of, again, not how you want it to work out. But in the same way, I'm, I'm glad it did work out because there's no way I would have ended up here if it, if it didn't work out that way. And Kalani, how fortunate do you feel to be able to coach Keaton in, in this season? Well, I knew he was going to be a really good player and he was a freshman. And so I, I just thought that, man, this guy's got so much poise and control of himself and, and, and to be that far ahead uh, in that young and being that young and uh, I'm just I remember talking to a I was like man that guy's gonna be dangerous one day and <laughs> and look he's gonna be dangerous with us so it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun man and and uh, I, I just it just seems like I, I've said this to Keaton before this felt like he's always been here hmm. like he belonged with us and from the beginning and uh, if I could have done it differently we should have just asked him to come right onto our sideline from that that day on but the, uh, the, the, the fact that he was been able to um, mesh well with the players and the connection, his leadership has been unbelievable. And, and um, the guys look to him. He, he's, they voted for captain. He was, he was number one on the board. And, and, and that shows you his, his humility and how, how much he's just so thankful to be uh, here. And then, and then the, the, you know, you look at the gratitude that he shows for his, for his family and, and the people that got him here. And so... Uh, I think he fits us perfectly. I think the fans, uh, they have a lot to cheer for for this guy, and it's not just the stuff that he does on the field. Who he is, he's genuine, he's real, and I'm glad he's he's our quarterback. I'm glad he's that I get to coach him. Not that you play for that, but uh, gratifying to to be a captain of this team in your senior season here. Yeah, it's, it means a lot, and uh, it was so easy. I think to step in, and like, I need to thank Coach too and A Rod for like allowing me to do that. Um, it's not easy being a transfer kid, but um, it didn't feel like that. Like Coach, said, I feel like I've been here forever. Um, and even after spring, naming the starter, allowing me to have all summer as the guy, getting the reps that I want, um, and having that ability to kind of step up and say something. It's not like you have two other guys with you who are also trying to say something too, like you're competing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it just really laid the foundation. And again, the guys too, again, the other players on the team, uh, they want to be led, they want to you know, do things the right way. And that makes my job you know, 10 times easier. Your position coach and offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, says when you went into the portal, you were his primary target. How early in the process was it when BYU became your top choice? Pretty early. Um, I kind of knew day one, um, once I got in, A-Rod kind of texted me and said, hey, I want to be the first guy you talk to. <laughs> and that immediate mutual interest, again, knowing what Zach and Jaron did, being around them, throwing with John Beck, and um, kind of seeing the offense from afar, it was so fun. 
Um, and you can see on the field, like their energy and excitement and John's kind of excitement about it. Um, and a lot of stuff that I was familiar with that, you know, I kind of wanted to be doing too. So I think seeing that from afar, the success they had immediately, it was like for one year, for my last year, I need to find the best offensive situation that fits me. Um, and it was kind of a no-brainer on that front and everything else kind of worked its way out from there. And you and A-Rod were of the same mind at that point? Oh, yeah, it, it was easy. It was just a matter of um, if, if this is what Keaton wanted. And mm -hmm. so when we laid out the plan for him, it, listen, he came here for all the right reasons. And, um, and, and that's why I want, I want the best for him. Uh, when, when he came, he just wanted to be in a position where you can compete for a starting spot. He didn't, he didn't uh, make any demands. He came in with such humility. And I was like, man, this is the guy we want. I can't believe that this is uh, who we get right now at this time. And it just seemed like perfect timing for us. And everything happens for a reason. And I'm glad that he's here and glad that he's part of our program. I'm glad that he's our starting quarterback and our captain. But I mean, he, he brings so much to the table. And then the recruiting process is like, okay, is this gonna be a dream come true scenario? Because he had a bunch of people that came after him. And uh, it, was, it was easy for him. He just said, hey, this is where I wanna be. And so I, I just want, I'm speaking to the fans. This guy does things the right way. And uh, it's not just limited to the field. He does things the right way. And we're gonna be really proud of him in life. I can't wait. I mean, hmm. football is, no, is one thing, but he's gonna do so many wonderful things in life. I can't wait to see him as a husband and a father and doing great things in, in the community. Do you, want, you enjoy having him as your head coach? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can't follow that up, right? No, but no. Just uh, end of the Throw touchdowns. Just, just do this. No, it was, uh, it was interesting. I was telling you know like my dad and, and my family like I've always wanted to play for a coach and a head coach and a, a program that kind of embodied the culture I wanted um, for players that did things the right way for the right reasons, um, who followed instructions, who did what they were trying to do, and not because they were worried about punishment, because they want to do it the right way and because they're self-motivated. And Kalani embodies that every day. We talk about it all the time in team meetings and stuff. Uh, you talk about waking up for breakfast the other day and getting to your meals on time, not because there's a threat of a punishment, because you want to nourish your body, you want to support your teammates and do better and be prepared on the field. And um, I think my first four years of college football, I was like, man, I wish there was a program like that. And even thinking that might be the twilight of my career, I was like, man, I wish I got to em embrace that. Or you know, maybe one day I could coach for a program like that hmm. um, or be a part of that or start that. And then I got to be here and, and really learn from it firsthand. And, and uh, I didn't think it was possible or it existed. So, um, yeah, I'm super grateful to be part of it and to, to, to have Coach as my head coach. That's cool to know. I, uh, uh, we talked about the one two-day experience you had in Provo four years ago. Well, now that you've been in it for months, um, what, what do you appreciate about the town, the school, the environment that you wouldn't have had a chance to in, in one or two days? Yeah, there's a lot. And when you're there for one or two days, you don't really get the full experience. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is just the people here. Um, from the people in the building and the program, from administrators to people in our building who work, you know, just for athletics, um, or just people who work in our lunch line, um, fans on the street. I've been played a snap here, and I feel like I've been embraced so fully. And also, people who don't know I am treat me with such respect. And uh, there's such a strong community and uh, you know faith-based family here that's just really special. And um, I've lived in a lot of places now, and uh, it really can't be said for a lot of different places. Well, it, clearly the culture is important, the values, all those things are really important, but you did come here to throw a football and win football games, right? And that's a big part of it, too. So uh, playing for a coordinator like Aaron Roderick, the offense he, he runs, the guys you've got around you, how excited are you about the football side of things this fall and, and, and the games you're about to play? Yeah, and that's where it started. We're, we're super excited, and it uh, feels like we've been practicing for a year now. <laughs> um, we're excited to get to the game, talking to you guys today, and um, good practice day, but we're fired up to, to play in an actual game and, and it was a long off season to, 
to get ready and prepared, but you know, eventually you know, that's what you come here to, to do is to compete and play in games, and uh, I know we're all really excited. A couple quick things before the break. Uh, you're going to pass 10,000 career passing yards this Saturday. Does that number mean anything to you? Uh, it does and it doesn't. You know, it's just a testament to the people around me. Um, you know, football's such a team game, and I'm sure there'll be other, you know, stats and stuff that happen, but um, there's 10 other guys in the field, and um, again, it's, it's my first year here, and I feel like I have a lot to prove to those guys around me and have success, and uh, the rest will kind of take care of itself. Okay. You have 68 career passing touchdowns. Would you like a rushing touchdown before your career is over? <laughs> we talk, I talked to Aaron about that. I said, hey, just give me one, man. Just give me one. We'll see. You know, I'm not the most agile guy in the world. But I'm fast enough, I think, to get okay. one in there. We'll see. We'll see if it's in the Check future. in at the end of the year, and we'll talk about it. Okay, sounds good. The deal. Coming up next, uh, some fun and games with Kalani and Keaton when BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues back after this. Presented by Intermountain Health. Well, if there's one thing I've learned over my years in the media business, it's that people love to see things ranked. Uh, we get top 25 rankings every week. We get CFP uh, rankings later in the year. Social media full of every kind of list imaginable. If you put out a poll, people will vote on it. So in that spirit, we're going to ask tonight's special guest, Keaton Slovis, to take part in a ranking game. Uh, but in this game, there are some right and wrong answers, at least to our first two ranking questions. Ranking question number one, for Keaton Slovis. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you uh, the top five BYU quarterbacks in career passing yardage. Okay? Okay. I'm going to give you their names, and you're going to have to put them in the right order. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Someone's going to get mad at me. From one, from one through five. And we want you to start with one and then go to okay. five. All right? So I'm going to give you the five names, and then you go one through five. Okay, here are the names. Your, your boy, John Beck. Okay. Max Hall. Arizona guy. Arizona both, guy. Both Arizona guys. Uh, Base Mountain View guys. Yes. Yes. Uh, Jim McMahon. Okay. Ty Detmer. Okay. And the national champion, Robbie Bosco. Those are the top five in some order. So one through five, what do you think? Career, passing yardage. Oh, boy. You can start and start. We want you to go one through five. So start with one, who you think is number one. Something tells me. I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I'm going to go. Bo Robbie Bosco is going to be number one. He's putting Bosco one. I don't know if that's true. Okay. I, have okay. no, I don't know anything. Like, everyone's throwing for okay. a craft on the yard. Okay, so you're going, um, we're going one through Bosco five. Bosco one. Okay. And Ty Detmer won the Heisman. Yeah. So I think Ty's number two. Okay. Oh, this is hard. Um, can, I, can I, like, ask a clarifying question to narrow this last one down for, for my last ones, I think? Okay. How many years did uh, Jim McMahon start? Well, he had parts of three years as a starter. Let's put it three that way. Three years. Yeah. See, that makes me think John or Max is higher then because I'm going to put John at three. Okay. Jim at four. Oh, but okay. Max is so recent. I feel like that should be <laughs> higher. I guess I'm going Max Hall at five. I'm sorry, Max. But. Okay. So he's gone Robbie Bosco one, Ty Detmer two, John and John's three, recent two. Jim McMahon, Jim McMahon four, at four, and then uh, Max Hall at Five. This is probably now, so before, wrong. Before I'm so sorry. I just want to preface. I'm so sorry. This is, this is before, a trap, too. Before we, give it, before we give the answer, the correct answer, you got two of these right. 
Okay. We've got two of these right. in the right spot, okay? And that's like 40%, though. That's not, that's not super great. <laughs> if, you, if you complete 40% of your passes, that could be an issue. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. No, but uh, so the ones you got right were three and four, John Beck and Jim McMahon. Here's the actual top five. Oh, that means Max is on Tie. Tie is way up there. Then you get Max, and Max will be mad at you for this one. Uh, yeah. And then you go John, Jim, and then Bosco at the very end there. Well, not so, Bosco. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he won a national championship. So he did, yeah. Great. I saw his highlight uh, yesterday against Pittsburgh, so I, yes. I just got excited. I saw him <laughs> get fired up, and I know that was a big game, too. So, if we, as we saw there, only three BYU quarterbacks have gone over 10,000. And although it was done other places, I mean, most of the yards, he's going to hit 10,000 this weekend. So, what, Joe, what Keaton's Lois has done is, is pretty outstanding. <laughs> Our next ranking question for you, it's, uh, I'm going to give you the, the, the five names of the top five BYU, active BYU players in career NCAA receiving yardage. So these are teammates okay. of yours, okay? So I want the top five teammates from one through five in terms of their career NCAA receiving yardage. I say NCAA because you could include guys that were somewhere else. Right. Hint, hint. Yeah, okay. I got you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, you for that. I'm here to help. Uh, all right, so one through five. I hear your names. Okay. Uh, Darius Lassiter. Yep. Keelan Marion. Isaac Rex. Okay. Keanu Hill. And Cody Epps. These are teammates of yours. we got to put them one through five. Career NCAA receiving yardage. Okay, but the, the oldest one there is Rex. I'm putting Rex at one because I think – He's close to breaking some records, too. He's got to 21 touchdowns. 21 yeah, touchdowns. That's, that's a pretty good number, Yard, right? but yards, is, But everyone else is younger. And then Darius and Keelan are the transfers. Oh, this is tough. I'm going to go Lassiter at two. Okay. Oh, might be Keelan, though. Okay, Keelan's at three, then. Okay. And then Keanu's at four. I think Cody's at five. Okay, and of this list... I'll say he put, you put Keelan, you put, uh, okay, yeah. Keanu at four. Although, oh, Keanu's and tough, Keanu's, too. And then uh, you put uh, Cody at five. Is that right? Cody Epps? Yes. Epps for five. Okay. So of this list. Cody's average yards per game would be higher, but yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. Just want to put that out there, Cody, if you're okay. listening. <laughs> <laughs> if we were going by average, you would have had you much higher. All right. So on this list, you got one correct. Well, if the order is closer, I'm okay with that. Yeah, so we'll so, see. We'll so, see what it's, so it's Keelan, like. Keelan Marion, right in the middle, is, is number three. That's correct. Oh. Your number one guy is Keanu Hill. Really? Yeah, and Isaac's right there, but Keanu's number one. Then you get Keelan. It's only 1,000. And Darius Lassiter. There you go. I thought Isaac would have a little bit more than that. we got to work on the speed a little bit. <laughs> no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense looking at it now. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, right. guys. Now, this last one. There, there's no right or wrong on this last one here. So we are going to ask you to identify your top five <laughs> Utah food items. In, in, okay, and you okay. can put this one, and this is all you now, uh, but here we go. These are your well, options. I can't get this one. I can't screw this one up. You really up, can't so mess this good. one up. Yeah. Uh, so the options here were fry sauce, uh, BYU Creamery ice cream, uh, Rancheritos slash Beto's, any one of those two haunts, okay. uh, a cougar tail, or Utah's famous funeral potatoes. <laughs> So again, your options are uh, fry sauce, creamery ice cream, uh, the Mexican food, the cougar tail, or the funeral potatoes. And this is all you, so you yeah. can say whatever you creamery's like. Creamery's going to the top. Creamery's going to the top. As we talked about during the break, that's pretty no-brainer. Graham Canyon, shout okay. out to Graham Canyon. Uh, shout, out, shout out to Sataki Road. And Sataki Road, even though I haven't had it yet. <laughs> but we'll, we'll try it after this. I'm going to eat them all by myself. <laughs> um, oh, number two stuff. Probably go Rancheritos. Uh, slash Beto's. Just the Mexican food. We'll yep. hit the Mexican food. Okay. 
Um, this isn't the cleanest list ever, but <laughs> and then what we got left? We got, got the we fry got the, sauce. We got we the got fry got sauce, the cougar tail, cougar and the general potatoes. I'm going to go cougar tail at three. Fry sauce at four, and then the potatoes. Have you even had the funeral potatoes yet? I have once. I'm okay. just not a huge funeral potato guy, okay. to be honest. It's not, it's not a slide on the potato. It's just not my thing. But it's a well-earned five for it you. It is, yeah. Okay, all right. It's still in the top five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? Uh, that was quite the hot seat. Let's have a hand for Keaton Slovis on that. How many texts will you have from his receivers after the show? Um, <laughs> after this break, a social media Q&A for the coach and starting QB Keaton Slovis. We'll have some uh, BYU football trivia as well when BYU Football with Kalani Sitake returns on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN+. Plus. Back after this. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Health official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics in partnership with the San Bernardino International Airport. Let's head to social media for our first Q&A segment of the season presented by Ken Garf. We hear you. First two questions coming in for Keaton. Uh, first one, how does it feel leading up to a game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium as home QB1 compared to when you came into LES as the away team quarterback? Um, I'm excited. Uh, I think that's pretty evident. But I think the, two, the thing, too, is like there's a comfort level when you're playing at home. Um, we played practice in that stadium probably three or four times now. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest difference. Like, you know the ins and outs of the stadium. You feel comfortable with it. Um, you have your home locker. Um, Again, it's kind of weird to describe, but there's just a natural feeling. It's like when you're walking your front door, you know, you're just familiar with it um, a lot more than when you're, you know, an away team, first time ever playing there. All right, question two. Also for Keaton, can you give us an idea of what it's like running a Coach Aaron Roderick offense, and why should other quarterbacks consider BYU? I think the thing about A-Rod's offense um, that's so special is it's just so quarterback friendly. Um, they're going to ask you to do some things that, you know, you're very capable of doing. And, uh, you know, they're asking you to do some tough things and make some tough throws. But at the same time, um, you know, they're not putting too much on your plate. They make it easy for you in terms of not making it too complicated, um, but also allowing you to, to, to switch things up offensively, to, to run a bunch of screens, run a bunch of different protections. And that kind of protects you from being stuck, you know, in the pocket, just drop back, you know, 50 times a game. We're moving stuff around and keeping the defense honest and kind of on their toes. And uh, you talk to defensive guys like Jay Hill, and he's like, man, it's so hard to go against you guys in practice. That's, as a quarterback, kind of what you want to be hearing. Okay. Uh, can you shout out the quarterbacks in the quarterback room right now, by the way, also? Who do you want to uh, say hey to? Yeah, um, I'll say hey to all the quarterbacks, Jake, Cade, Ryder, Cole, Nick. Um, what's up, guys? They're, uh, they're a lot of fun, a little, like can get a little rowdy sometimes in the quarterback <laughs> room, but we have a good time, and, uh, you know, we'll see them tomorrow. Okay, Kalani, this question's for the coach. All right. Uh, you were recently quoted uh, as saying that Bob Marley is your favorite musical artist because there was a quiz for all the coaches nationally, and you picked Bob Marley. Uh, to branch off of that, uh, do you have a go-to karaoke song? doesn't have wow. to be Bob, but do you have this a go-to karaoke song? If, if it came down to it, you had to sing one song, what was it going to be? Uh, I've been on this like, country kick for a while now. Because, I mean, maybe it's because I went to Garth Brooks' concert with my wife uh, when he came in town, and, and um, that was a lot of fun. But I think, I think there's a, probably the only one that says it, but there's a connection between, to me, that I can see style-wise with country and reggae. So 
Uh, anything like country. I've been getting into like Billy Currington a little bit and then just whatever. Whatever can, like, I, mean, I like country. I like the country style, but I like reggae too. And then I like the, the Hawaiian reggae too. So Fiji's really good. Yeah, just stuff that, I mean, then, then can't complain about stuff that make you dance too, so. Okay. I like all kinds of music that make you dance. Yeah, and then get you yeah. moving. Uh, Keaton, do you have a favorite musical artist, if you were asked? Um, I'd say historically, a big big fan of the Beatles. There um, we go. Some old, good for yeah. you. Good for yeah, you, old yeah. school. I love that. Um, but I like Ivory music. Like I like modern stuff, too. Okay. Um, I just have, they're all-time greats. Gotta shout them out. Right on. I like that. I like that. Of course, I'm of my age. Of course, I like that. Uh, as we take another break, uh, here's this week's trivia question. BYU football trivia presented by Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics. What is the BYU record for most points scored in a season opening game? The answer is coming up right after this. Stay with us. trivia question presented by Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics. The question, uh, most points scored for BYU in a season opening game, and the answer here, it's a 70 spot in 2001 against Tulane. Here we go. No complaints if you get close this weekend to that. No complaints whatsoever. All right, let's take a look at the Saturday night's broadcast lineup against the Bearcats of Sam Houston. It'll be on FS1 at 10.15 Eastern, 8.15 Mountain Time. And at 8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. You get all kinds of pregame coverage and then stay with BYU TV and BYU Radio right after for comprehensive postgame coverage taking us into the wee hours. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. It is the BYU uniform reveal for the season opener versus Sam Houston. Uh, Coach Cougar Nation really likes this segment. Um, I know you typically have more important things to worry about. You'll like whatever <laughs> the guys wear as long as you win. But uh, what, what do you like about the, the weekly reveal? It's good for me to know, too. I got, I got <laughs> so I look forward to it and be like, okay, this is what we're going to be dressed in on the sidelines. It's good to, for me to know that Keaton loves the Beatles because my wife, Timberly, loves the Beatles, too. So all, all this, this has educated me so well, and I'm ready for the, the, the game this week. Okay, uh, this week, BYU is rolling out a, a, ne a never-before-worn combination. Royal helmet, royal jersey, and then the white with royal bottoms. And a lot of people's favorite detail about the whole thing is the Big 12 patch uh, this okay. year as well. All right, um, so let's, let's uh, see our, our, guy, our boy Travis is uh, once again. All right. <laughs> not, not every coach's show gets a model that can fill out the uniform this well. Uh, shout out Travis Hodson and shout out to both of you guys for a great first week. Good luck this weekend and thanks to you all for being here. Thank you guys. Thank you. For producer Emma, producer Brad.